is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Sam Columbus, co-creator of Never Be King, a new musical with its EP currently out that you can stream on all music platforms. We cover a little bit of everything from chilling out to finding his groove and, of course, Never Be King. So I hope you enjoy part one with Sam Columbus. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Sam Columbus. Sam, thank you for joining me today. Well, of course, I could not be happier. It's always a thrill to chat. We have so much to talk about. I, you know, music directing, orchestrating, performing, <laughs> and our, you know, our relationship that I mean, we we've met now two two and a half years ago, maybe three. Through, I think it was just about the yeah, 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 yeah. Through Charlie Ray, who I've known now for seven years or eight years, which is wild. Um, and I, you know, I want to talk about Rayco Musicals, the partnership you have with Charlie. Um, Never Be King, which you can stream everywhere right now. The EP is out and about. Absolutely. Before we get to any of that, I want to take it back to the beginning of yeah. time for you. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? So my very, very first entertainment dream um, was that I wanted to be an opera singer. Uh, when I was in seventh grade, I was in the children's chorus in a production of Carmen with the Pittsburgh Opera. Um, and that, well, actually, it started before that when my sister was a super, like just an extra and onstage body in Falstaff at the same opera company. And I remember sitting in that rehearsal room and being like, this is it. Like, I just want to do this. Um, and then as I grew up and hit puberty, uh, my voice did not mature in the way that would have necessarily informed following a path as an opera singer because my vocal folds are made of tissue paper. Um, and, uh, that's not super compatible with that line of work, but um, it did morph into into uh, a love for musical theater, which you know can be a little bit more forgiving on vocal cords, depending on what you're singing. Um, and I started to chase that, and that just kind of spiraled and, and led us to where where we got now. I love that. Has that has it always been entertainment and theater and performing for you, or was there a decision, a, a defining moment where you're like, no, this is really what I'm going to do for a living? And really, well, you know, it was this. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was kind of always that there were childhood ambitions, you know, of like wanting to be a doctor or whatever, wanting to be a vet was one that I had wanted to do for a while. Um, but as soon as I as soon as I learned that performing was like a viable career path, that was all I ever had any interest in doing. There was there was never any other option for me, I found. What did your yeah. what did your parents teach you about work ethic? So my parents are both extremely hard workers. Um, my mom is probably a hard worker a little bit to a fault. She is uh, something that I unfortunately inherited from her is like that idea of sitting down in front of like your desk or in front of your computer and kind of just being like a dog on a bone. And it's like, if somebody doesn't tap me on the shoulder and say, Sam, eat, I will work straight through lunch. Um, so good lessons, perhaps also potentially dangerous lessons, depending on how they're interpreted. Sure. Um, but I was definitely taught you know, just osmotically, the value of hard work and the fact that like when you put the hard work in, that tends to be something that, you know, whether obviously or not, people take notice of. Um, and it's something that kind of reflects on the way you move through the world, so to speak. Uh, hmm. Again, whether or not that's necessarily an entirely healthy lesson is up for debate. But yeah. yeah have you found yourself any better, getting any better at a, a, like a work-life balance? turning off, taking time to just enjoy a moment in time. <laughs> it is definitely, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that's something that, as I'm sure a lot of people can can relate to, it's like the, the whole pandemic environment kind of 
forced me to reevaluate that a little bit in, I think, ultimately a very helpful and healthful way. Mm. Um, and that has been something that I have been actively pursuing is, is the need to just shut it off and step away and just read a book or watch an episode of something or take a walk, you know, it's, mm. so it's an ongoing journey, but definitely, definitely something I've been reevaluating. Yeah. What, what did your parents teach you about kindness? Um, everything I know is all I can say. Um, my parents who I still don't think you've met despite everything that we've, that we've, um, worked on and and met on, uh, they are just the kindest and most generous and most giving people that I have ever met in my life. And that I believe I will ever meet in my life. Um, I was fortunate enough to have two very, very kind parents, not just like nice parents, but Mm -hmm. genuinely authentically kind. Um, and so just growing up with them was was kind of all the lesson that I ever needed in how to move through the world and how to treat other people and treating people with respect and yada, yada. They have taught me everything that I know. And I hope to be a kind person, um, at least half as kind as them, because they really set the gold standard as far as I'm concerned. It's amazing how far it goes, you know, considering it's free. Yeah. You can literally, it's cost nothing to be kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's it's carry the musical right there. What does it cost to be kind? Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, do yeah. you, do you, or have you had any mentors and are there any standout lessons from those mentors? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when I was in college, I was fortunate enough to meet Beth Barrier, who I'm not sure if that's a name that's ever crossed uh, you. Uh, she was the associate music director on the, I believe the first national of rent and she's worked on beehive and she's, I mean, she is now the, I believe she's the artistic director at the, um, uh golly the college light opera company up in cape cod she is like a teacher like a music director's teacher extraordinaire um everything that i know about what i do i have learned from beth barrier she um she she taught me absolutely everything um the most important thing she taught this is like so weedsy but the most important thing she taught me is like the importance of groove right from a music directing standpoint, playing the notes on the page is not enough. It's about the style. You know, she taught me how to play style. Um, And that was absolutely invaluable because that to me, that strikes me as a huge difference between somebody who is like learning to play piano and somebody who is, is playing piano and accompanying is, is playing the style. That was, that was the big one from Beth, I think. You know what? That's funny. It's funny you bring up groove because, and I've noticed this as well, listening to, you know, some of the best musicians in the world, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I would put mm-hmm. you right up in that category is that oh, when God, you no. play, I don't just hear the music, I feel the emotion. And that is yeah. very standard for performing, you know, vocally, you know, or acting. Of course, if you're not feeling anything from that person, it's not, you know, totally, they're not totally embodying it. But when you when you totally. and I mean, you play the piano and now guitar as well, when you play, it's a full emotional connection to the piece. Well, yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned that in respect to like acting through song, because obviously, like my my college degree is in acting. I'm a, a musical theater acting performance is where I got my start. And I think that to some level that does inform every aspect of performance that I do, whether it is a vocal performance, which I don't do much of anymore, or or a piano performance. And I think, um, you know, for better or for worse, I think that that was an important part of my journey to, to take because it did teach me a connection with, with the, you know, connection to material uh, 
is something that kind of has to be absorbed. It can't really be caught. You know, you can't, somebody can't sit you down and say like, this is how you interpret. <laughs> I don't know, but then that's so complicated because some, you, you can be taught how to interpret a song, but you can't really be taught how to internalize a song, I think. That's the, yeah. that's the best that's, part though with, you know, particularly, and I, I, you know, go back to like singing, performing or performing, playing an instrument. Mm -hmm. It's that slice of humanity because you're taking your own personal yeah. experience and that's your, I mean, that is your internalization of the song, but people are particularly open. I feel like it just comes out, it comes out so beautifully. And I, I feel like you're, I do feel like you're in that category. So, um, thank you. Thank you. That was, yeah. of course, continuing, continuing along, I'm curious, is there a particular project to date? that has taught you the most about yourself or a significant amount about yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, so I've got, there's kind of a two part answer to this. And one of them is going to be very theatrical and the other one is not very theatrical. Um, the, the, because it's kind of, to me, it's like a full journey that I have gone on with this is that I used to be like a freak out guy. I was like, Mr. I, I had a tendency to be Mr. Crisis. Um, and I was not made aware of that fact until we put up freedom summer charlie and my first show at nymph in the summer of 2019 and i realized that i was tending a little bit towards histrionics um and that that i was not super malleable there sorry that i was not super adaptable um that bumps in the road really rattled me and i reacted and i showed it and that is not a super um collaborative way to enter a room it, you know you just got to be able to let things roll off your back um and so to continue that, like, I wasn't until, you know, it, it was, it obviously became a journey of unpacking all of that and unlearning all of that. Uh, but really the thing that taught me how to cope with that, how to deal with that was working in a commercial kitchen, um, mm -hmm. was my, which was my pandemic job, uh, making sandwiches, you know, running a sales window and effectively being a line cook at the same time is like that idea of nothing can shake you, you know, any problem that comes up there will be a solution. Um, and the first step to finding that solution is just not to freak out. You know, it's, uh, it's not a matter of like shutting off that instinct because it's a very informative instinct, but it's like, there's, there's no space for that freak out. Right. Because when you're freaking out, that's time that you could be using to find a solution. And instead you're, you're just, you know, you're rattling yourself even more when you freak out. So that has been, the, the the evolution of Freedom Summer into my career as a sandwich chef, uh, I would say, were the two things that taught me the most about crisis management and how to maintain a level head and a cool composure. Yeah, that's a that's another great point, because I do find myself when I have time to, quote unquote, I'm putting air quotes, freak out or overthink. Yeah, I, I yeah. have too much time because when there's an actual <laughs> problem, you're not you don't have time to overthink when there's an actual problem. You're no. fixing you're adapting. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I believe that that I stand by that. I think that every single human being should have to work in a kitchen or in a restaurant at some point, because there is nothing that will teach you the difference between a true crisis and a minor inconvenience more quickly. So, yeah, that was a pandemic thing for um, yeah. for me it was uh, bartending. And it was oh, sure. a totally. very short yeah. period of time, like maybe three weeks. Yeah. And in the scheme mm -hmm. of life, that's really short. And it was yeah. so, like, had the potential to be so stressful. And you start to realize, like, none of this matters. None of this. You're making an alcoholic drink for someone who's exactly. out for a good time. It doesn't. Somebody's going to enjoy this. Yeah. We're not, we're not curing yeah. cancer. We're not doing some high stakes, you know, 
international negotiation on world peace. <laughs> no. No, which ultimately I find becomes very, very commutable to the world of like music to the world of musical theater. Yes. No, but at the end of the day, that this is a Beth Burrierism, but the kitten will not die. You know, we are not saving animals' lives. Oh. It's a musical. Yeah. We're gonna we're all gonna be okay, you know? And yeah. that's it's hard to learn, especially because the stakes so often feel so high. But it is an absolutely invaluable lesson, as far as I'm concerned. When you're when you're in the weeds, uh, orchestrating, yeah. creating, um, <laughs> when you get stuck, if you get stuck, <laughs> how do you get unstuck? I am a big believer in. Well, he, you know, this is this is okay. I'm gonna let me expose myself because my first instinct was to cover something up. Um, I tend to have a problem with trying to just push through. That is my first instinct is just like keep trying things and like a sledgehammer, you know, bust through the wall or whatever. But every single time um, I find myself in one of those positions, my boyfriend's first piece of advice is just to like close the computer, take a walk, listen to a song that inspires you, you know, just find, just do something else clear your head it's like when you're doing i don't know it's like when you're in middle school and you're doing a word search and you can't find a word mm -hmm. and you turn the paper over and it's just and then the second you turn it back over the words start to jump out at you it's like it's that effect you've just got to step away and it's such a simple piece of advice but it's such a hard piece of advice to internalize and to take um mm. because again you know it's it's all in the moment thinking and it feels like a crisis for a second but as soon as you kind of zoom out and you look at the entire thing you realize okay it's just because i'm hyper fixating on this one little detail and if you just give it a second to breathe i typically find that that is that is the most common you're you know most commonly that is the simplest solution to get through yeah stepping away it makes all the difference yeah. even for a moment yeah um yeah, yeah, absolutely. When, um, in terms of professional relationships in the <laughs> industry, theater industry, do, what are your, what are your views on them? How have you evolved, so to speak, since, you know, graduating from university to now <laughs> and creating those relationships, maintaining those relationships, or just a general thought on those relationships? I personally find, and something, something that I have found particularly in like musician circles is that networking looks different for us as creative people than it does for a lot of other industries, you know? Um, and I have found that the best way to like, to, to maintain a, a working relationship with, with somebody is, is to kind of approach it like a friendship, you know? Um, for example, Steven, our guitarist who played the, on the never be King things. It's like every once in a while, if I'm on a gig, I'll shoot him a text like, hey, I'm playing this Patsy Klein show. Wish I had you out here with me or just, you know, something simple like that. Um, not in a, you know, in a genuine manner to say like, hey, just a reminder, I really freaking appreciate the artistry that you bring to the table. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because those, you know, that's, I, I believe that you need to lead with, with, with an open heart and with like honesty and with, with friendship in, in any kind of professional um uh, interchange kind of, kind of deal, because I, I find it so easy when you get into the, or I find it so easy when you get into like networking speak to feel like you're blowing smoke and to feel like you're just, you're, you're, you're gassing people up and mm -hmm. that kind of disin, you know, that, or that kind of dishonesty or disconnect or not dishonesty, because it doesn't need to come from a place of dishonesty. But I, I feel that that mm -hmm. can sometimes come off with like a veneer of artifice. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I, I try to avoid that as much as possible. Um, 
so meeting people as friends, I think, and 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 focusing on building a a personal relationship, however deep or shallow that personal relationship may be, I find to be a a, a really invaluable tool in building business relationships. That's a really great answer because the second I realized that I spoke differently to friends versus, you know, professional peers, I, it was like a mind opening experience. Why, why can't you, why, why not just behave the same way? And I mean, naturally, like we're talking about like, you know, when you're with your very best friends and it's a very social time, that's a whole different thing. But in terms of, of meeting new people, when I meet a new person, you know, at a, at a bar versus, you know, a, a, a reading or something, it's like mm-hmm. the behavior doesn't have to shift. You can still be open, kind and friendly and friends <laughs> first because Absolutely. a lot of it'll, a lot of it'll, a lot of it'll stem from that, which kind of brings me into the next thing, this friendship you have with Charlie H. Ray and the creation mm-hmm. of yeah. Rayco musicals. What was that evolution from friends to, I mean, business partners, if you will? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the great, listen, the fabulous thing about working with Charlie is, er, for me, let let me preface this as, you know, given the relationship that we have, is that our business partnership really feels like an extension of our friendship. Um, Charlie and I met as, when Charlie and I met, I didn't know he wrote, and I didn't, I hadn't even started the writing portion of my journey yet. I was still only just beginning to experiment with music direction. Um, So Charlie and I met as friends, our dressing room stations were next to each other at our college production of West Side Story. And I was writing a paper on the music man at the time um, because, eh, you know, music school. And um, and he was I was I was typing and I was doing a score analysis or something like that. And he looked over, he's like, what are you doing? And I explained the paper to him. And it was like in that moment, we realized that we kind of thought about the drama of music in a musical theater context the same way. Mm. Um, so a couple months later, Charlie approached me with with um, the piece that he had been developing, Freedom Summer, which he had obviously been working on for a very long time. It's the two of us know. And, um, you know, he was like, I'm kind of stuck in a rut here. I need somebody to flesh out these songs because I can't hear them on anything other than a piano right now. Mm. Um, you want to take a crack at them? And I did. And, you know, it was a learning experience, I think, for both of us, because neither of us had ever collaborated in that way. But I think that having that be our first experience with that really, in turn, kind of strengthened our friendship, you know, is that we were watching each other grow, not only professionally, but also just as people in this college thing. Um, So it has become this wonderful feedback loop, where I think our friendship strengthens our business relationship and our business relationship strengthens our friendship. And it's, it's utterly symbiotic. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 